Joey from the Animaniacast, and we got a great episode today coming up. We're going to be talking all about Freakazoid, but before we get to that, I think we should do a special little add-on here, post our original recording. Let's get to some talking Tiny Toons. That's right, Tiny Toon Adventures is being rebooted. What? It's true. Uh, yes, this is the uh, official thing that came through Variety. It says a reboot of Tiny Toon Adventures is among a number of new series on order at HBO Max and Cartoon Network. The new series is titled Tiny Toons Luniversity. The half-hour animated show will feature characters from the original series, which aired from 1990 to 1992. The show has received a two-season order with Steven Spielberg attached to return as executive producer. Aaron Gibson will serve as showrunner and co-executive producer while Nate Cash will also co-executive produce. Sam Register, president of Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studios, will also executive produce, along with Amblin Television co-presidents Justin Falvey and Daryl Frank. And uh, it's produced by Amblin Television, and it goes on to talk about a few other folks that are going to be overseeing stuff uh, with the production. But, of course, no uh, announcements of uh, voice actors, uh, new or uh, returning uh, cast members, the only thing that we've really learned is what Cree Summer tweeted, and that, of course, is that she has learned that Elmira is not returning. And obviously, that is uh, disappointing news. It, it really looks, when I was talking with Kelly and uh, Nathan about this, this looks like almost just like a uh, Tiny Toons, the new class, kind of like Saved by the Bell, or perhaps the final season of Scrubs, where you have a few members, perhaps, of the original Tiny Toons, Tiny Toon Adventures around, like, you know, Buster, Babs, and Plucky. Uh, but then you, you put in a bunch of other students. So we don't really know too much. We don't know if Buster and Babs are perhaps in high school or maybe even college um, at this point. But uh, one of the things we do know that is especially disappointing um, is Tom Ruger and the original crew of Tiny Toon Adventures have once again been overlooked by the folks at Warner Brothers and Amblin. Very disappointing news. Um, I don't want to get too much into it because we try to keep the <laughs> we try to keep the podcast positive as much as possible. But make no mistake, we here at the Animated Cast are very disappointed and, quite frankly, very confused why this has happened again. Um, some say it's show business. Just get over it. I personally think show business doesn't have to be bad business. Um, it's totally up to Warner Brothers and Amblin to do as they see fit with their intellectual property. But I just think that there's a right thing to do and a wrong thing to do. And perhaps a right thing to do would be to, oh, I don't know, give um, Tom and his original crew at least a chance to consult a little bit on what's going on with this new show. They were the ones, of course, who created it um, to begin with. Uh, so this is it's as exciting as we are, uh, as excited as we are, I should say, for this um, this new series. It's always kind of a, a there's always a yes and there's also this thing or yes but there's this other thing to to worry about. Uh, I don't I'm not saying people need to go out and do online petitions. I don't really think those usually work to begin with. Um, but if you are so inclined, you could perhaps uh, write a letter to Steven Spielberg. Uh, that's you know obviously professional and respectful. Um, that is what I have, have done, um, and I'll I'm sending that off this week again. I don't think Tom is necessarily owed a job. I think it would just be the nice thing to do to at least give him and you know, members of his original crew, at least a chance to do something with this new show. Um, and there's nothing wrong with new voices. There's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, new writers is what I'm trying to say. New writers, new artists, and to have new points of view and voices and stuff put into a show 
that's needed. I mean, sh- shows change and they adapt with new audiences. However, I just really feel that this once again is not kicking things off on the right foot. Um, so if you feel so inclined, uh, if you go to Amblin's website, they have a little frequently asked question things and there's a little address right in there where you can still send Steven Spielberg a letter if you like. Um, you know, I think, you know, I think that would be nice as long as you are nice. <laughs> At any rate, uh, let's, that's, that's it for the Tiny Toon Adventures news. More to come on that. And of course, coming up very soon on November 20th is the Animaniacs reboot. We're going to be going through all the episodes of the reboot coming up this month. So exciting stuff. But before we get into that, let's go to Freakazoid and Friends for one more Freakazoid conversation before the reboot comes out. And welcome, everybody, to another Freakazoid episode of the Animaniacast. Take a hike. You're out. No way, Akimbo. You missed the tag. Freakazoid, you were out by a country mile. No, 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 no. Time, can we get a ruling here, please? Have you all gone start raving mad? This is a baseball game. Play ball. Come on, Huntsman, what's the call? I turned away to have some berry water and I missed the play. Done, the luck. Done. And welcome, everybody, once again to another episode of Freakazoid and Friends. Yes, this is the spinoff series of the Animaniacast. Uh, we're the only podcast that lets you freak out about Freakazoid. And here we pick a, a totally random episode and re- revisit all the cultural references and gags. And in the end, we're going to give this totally random episode a Water Tower rating. I am Joey. And joining me are my co-hosts, Nathan, Oops. <laughs> and across the country in Georgia, it's Kelly. Hello. Uh, yes, uh, I said whoops uh, a little while ago, um, <laughs> a few days ago, because ladies and gentlemen, this is not the first time we've we've uh, recorded this, uh, this, this discussion of Freakazoid. <laughs> yes, because I accidentally deleted it the first time yeah accidentally you know oops <laughs> um, explosion explosion yes <laughs> um yeah i i this is this is what it's nice to have uh awesome co-hosts like nathan and kelly because even if i accidentally delete an entire hour of conversation we'll say okay let's do it again <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, it doesn't happen often. I think we've been doing this now for about four and a half years, and this is only the second time something like this has happened. So, okay, so every we're doing another two years, I suppose. I'll delete something again. <laughs> um, but uh, so, but we're glad to be here again, talking about a completely random episode that just happens to be sequentially uh, the, the the next episode of Freakazoid that we. You know, it just keeps happening. About. I don't know how this happens. Yeah, so. no, no, this is weird, Nathan. Because is this episode ten or episode nine of Freakazoid? Um, it's episode ten. Okay, because in the notes it says episode. Well, right, this is right. our ninth episode of Freakazoid. And oh, yeah, that's right. All right, because right. we did a double episode. You may remember. Yes, that's our, right. Uh, our the chip part one and part two. That's right. That counted as one. I keep. It was one, ep- but that was two episodes of Freakazoid. That's right. That's okay. It does. Okay. It does get confusing though if you're watching on the DVD. There's been, I think, uh, ten episodes before this on the DVD because um, the cloud was broken up into uh, the two A or whatever. You know, I guess we might talk about it later. But, yeah, um, but the cloud and the, this this episode features two segments. It features in arms way and the cloud and the cloud is featured, I think, with Candlejack mm-hmm. on on an episode on the it's DVD. Episode two A. They did alternate episodes when they aired them originally, where they would be like, "Oh, we'll just mash up these two segments that don't quite go together, but like we'll make a new episode that way." So, um, they took the Candlejack. And the cloud, which are both great 
segments. Yeah. And they made like a really awesome, se- but then it makes this episode worse. <laughs> because then you're like, oh, I already saw the cloud. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's very confusing on the DVD as well. I mean, you're, as, a, as a kid, when we were watching these, it was confusing because you're like, wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You never knew what, because we were all, we were taping each episode that we could on yeah. VHS. And I, it was confusing to say like, wait, am I supposed to be taping this right now or not? Like, is this and, a rerun? Is this, this is a new segment, but the Candle Jack was in another episode. Like, yeah. Yeah. So at any rate, now they're all confused and everything. <laughs> uh, episode 10. This is episode, episode 10. 10. Uh, well, if someone were to ask you about this episode 10, this, this episode, what would you tell them in just a few words? Uh, Nathan, let's start with you. Um, we got fogs and gifts for Cosgrove. That's the. Yes. It's a very it's... gift giving episode of. Yeah. Uh, if you want to know about what to get Cosgrove. And well, if you like fog, both segments. Uh, deal with fog and Cosgrove. There so. you go. And Kelly, what about you? Speaking of gift giving, uh, there's a Spielberg reference. Ooh, what is the Spielberg reference? They have uh, mock opening credits in the second segment, and it's says by Steven Spielberg. Well, there you go. See, Spielberg's <laughs> name is in it. So is that what that's what you have to say in a few words? Is Spielberg's name is in it, or what do you have to say in a few words? Is that is that it? It's it's creepy. <laughs> it, is, it is creepy. There is some creepiness to this episode. That is that is for sure. Well, uh, Nathan, before we get started once again in our discussion of this episode, uh, please tell us when did this episode first premiere? Uh, Joey, I t- I told you this already. Like, I know last time we recorded this, and you forgot already. Uh, okay, so this episode premiered on sat- Saturday, December 16th of 1995, which uh, immediately followed the release of the movies uh, Sense, and Sil- Sense and Sensibility, Heat, and Jumanji. Uh, it was also the same day that the Euro was named in uh, Europe. You know, It was adopted on December 16th, 1995 in Madrid. Well, there you go. Uh, now... Uh, let's go ahead and get right into our discussion, I suppose, of In Arms Way. And In Arms Way was written by Ken Segal and directed by Dan Reba. And Nathan, why don't you tell us what the heck happens here in In Arms Way? Um, we are Christmas time in the land of Freakazoid. And Freakazoid is trying to find a gift to give all his friends and family. Meanwhile, a new villain appears. Mm. Arms Akimbo. That's right. He has his arms at the side on his waist. And his name's Arms Akimbo. And he can't move them because he was a model. And that's what he did. So he, he sells Oops Insurance, which is where he knocks an item down and says, Oops. And then they pay him to not knock things over. (laughs) And then uh, he ends up blowing buildings up. (laughs) Uh, I I guess his thugs put the bombs in because he can't do that. He can knock things over with his elbows. I don't think he can set up bombs. He can hit people with them. Yeah, he 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 would be very good. With social distancing, he'd be very good with, like, uh, you know, not shaking hands. No shaking hands. He'd yeah. just do the, the elbow. Whole, the elbow bump. He invented yeah. the elbow bump. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, he can also fight. He, they show him fighting, like, two two thugs uh, in, a, in an alleyway. So that's pretty cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, but he's arms akimbo. So he's doing all this. And meanwhile, Freakazoid's looking for a gift for Cosgrove and... and um, What's her face? Uh, Stephanie. <laughs> Stephanie. Steph. Steph. I was like, I just didn't know the blonde girl's name. You're too old, Freakazoid. Hey, this is between me and the jolly one. So, like I was saying, I can't decide whether to get Steph some perfume or a summer sausage shaped like Austria. You tell me, man. I'll go with whatever you say. Um, get her the perfume. Now beat it. And, you know, he's going to the store. He ends up going to uh, Tchotchkes, I think it's called. and uh, Or some some variation of the spelling of that, yeah. Yeah. As and the store meets, name. 
He even sees the lobe there, which is kind of fun. Uh, it's such a trade. cute scene. Yeah. <laughs> lobe? I thought you were terrorizing Europe with some kind of cheese ray. I was, but when the holidays roll around, I come home to terrorize the ones I love. Who you shopping for? Anyone I know? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I won't tell you. What'd you get me? Show me first. No, you show me! No, you! Oops. Sorry, Logue. Gotta run. Have a happy. And to you, sir. I hope you got me troubadour pants. And that's where he meets Arms Akimbo, finally. And they have a whole battle scene, but he, Arms Akimbo uh, wants Freakazoid to fight normally, but Freakazoid's doing a whole dance routine around him and ends up beating up Arms Akimbo. I'll fix you, you Weisenheimer! Howdy, partner! What is this, hee-haw? Stop it! Fight normal! Circle around with a Brooklyn thug. Toss him in the eye with a coffee mug. Hey! And uh, then he decides to give Steph a uh, perfume. And I think that's how the episode is. Pretty much, yep. Uh, yes, always just, I love the scene right there with Cosgrove. What do you think I should get Steph for Christmas? Get her something a girl would want, like banjo lessons or a new turban. What about perfume? I never use this stuff. It's for girls. See ya. That's it! Why buy her anything? I'll just tell Steph that I'm her present. Get her the perfume. Cosgrove's ideas are, are very interesting. Um, we'll eventually get to Cosgrove in love. Uh, we'll find out what, you know, poor Cosgrove. Can never find love. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead, before we get to the parts that we really uh, particularly liked, uh, let's go ahead and talk about the, the references here real quick. Let's start off with uh, Joe Leahy uh, starts off with this great nighttime. Nighttime. And darkness creeps across the city with big tabby cat feet. Uh, such a cool line. Uh, I had no idea it was actually a reference to uh, Fog uh, by Carl Sandburg, mm-hmm. who, who, yeah, he says that the, the fog, it's the fog comes in on little cat feet. So there you go. I, I had it's no idea. It's a very short poem, too. It's only like a... Ten verse or ten line or something. It just shows you how awesome the the writers of Freakazoid were that they could just put in poetry references like that. I <laughs> I had no idea. Uh, there was a Burbank icon, so I'm assuming this is a, a location that uh, the the writers and folks they must have gone to eat at uh, Papu's uh, hot dog uh, restaurant or stand. It was a. Uh, there until 2011 and was there from 1949 to 2011 and so mike is it mike is that is that the guy who's yeah mike yeah. that uh rings a bell for the angels yeah so the, the <laughs> he's he's uh he, he's the same guy as the bartender from um uh it's a wonderful life he used to be working in papaya queen or something like that and now he's working in papus too so a little you know spin-off uh uh, franchise. It's a franchise that they've set up. At least in Freakazoid's world, you can still get a hot dog there. And finally, yeah, there's the hee-haw reference right at the end, where they dance around. And I remember as a kid, I used to watch hee-haw a little bit. And Kelly, we've talked about hee-haw before in the past. You used to watch that with your with your grandma, I believe, right? Yeah, my granny liked to watch it. Yeah, so, you know, it, I, it wasn't particularly a a funny show in my opinion but i would i would always like stick around for the cartoon donkey that would pop up every now and then <laughs> and go oh a cartoon <laughs> and then it was just a lot of singing old country songs and uh then it got really boring they tell but, jokes like in a cornfield yeah they jump out of the cornfield yeah that's right that's really all i remember i was really little yeah exactly so from what there is to remember cornfields singing and a cartoon donkey that was hee-haw uh, well, anyway, uh, let's go ahead and talk about the stuff that we liked, stuff that stuck out for us that we thought was funny. Uh, Kelly, let's start with you. I thought it was funny, the, the whole conversation with uh, Freakazoid and the Lobe in the grocery store. And um, I I liked the, the way Arms Akimbo got his power. That was 
interesting, you know, just by standing still modeling with his arms at his hips. His um, arms akimbo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should mention arms akimbo literally means arms at your side. So Yes, arms at your side. So he is doing <laughs> what his name is. After years of forced modeling, which left his arms frozen in a jaunty pose, young Akimbo turned to crime. The guy who voiced Arms Akimbo, let me get that 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 guy's name here, because uh, he uh, was voiced by a guy who played Daddy Warbucks, I believe, in the Broadway production of Annie. And <laughs> yes, and then he was also in the a Munsters reboot as well let me see who this who's the voice here of this guy who can who can i'll find it on the i had it the last time we did this episode i did he was voiced by john shuck that's the guy's name so yeah i remember he's a character actor he's still around he's if you look at his imdb he uh he, he he's been on a lot of things a lot of folks in freakazoid are it's like oh yeah that guy so, nice well, the to hear. Lobe is voiced by David Warner, which I'm sure we've mentioned before. But... I don't know if we have or not. He's he's. I mean, I, he's been in a lot of. Uh, he was in Tron, I suppose, is one of his, his bigger films. Titanic. Titanic. He was also. I just, I just posted on Twitter the other day about stumbling. I had this vague memory of, of Carrie Fisher in a Frankenstein movie when I was a little girl, and I thought I imagined it, and I didn't. And he played the monster in the movie. But oh, there we are. He he has such an amazing voice. He's still around, and he's um, he's been in some really he's he's been in a lot of different movies. Some of them are some of them are not so great. I, I <laughs> but he still does a great performance in them every single time. Like I saw, I think, a, I think um, he, he was Ross Al Ghul in um, Batman the Animated Yes, movie. yes, I love that voice. And he was in uh, a Riff Tracks movie that I saw recently. <laughs> called the littlest unicorn so if you want i think that's on amazon prime so if you want to watch one of his uh not so stellar movies but he still does a good performance in it's uh i think it's called the littlest unicorn uh with Is it Rift a tracks or an actual movie? no it's it's live action it's live action it's it's about a little unicorn and it's uh it's a it's not a great movie but it's out there folks Amazon Prime, I believe you can check it out. So there you go. Um, well, there's a lot of funny stuff in here still to talk about. I mean, I think Joe Leahy, number one, uh, he really was uh, hamming it up in a perfect way with the bum bum bums and. Mm-hmm. Oh no! Freakazoids inside that store. Look out, Freakazoid! Just a lot of a lot of cool stuff there. Uh, Nathan, what are some what are some things you liked about it? The baseball game. We got the Huntsman back yes. in this episode. <laughs> oh my gosh! And you know, now that I've we had to review this now the second time, I of course watched the episode a couple of times, and he's the part that really makes me laugh out loud. Just the I was getting drinking some berry water, <laughs> berry water. I just love uh, that. Yeah, anytime the Huntsman's in, I just love his. You know, and um, I think. Tress McNeil's voice is in it, like yeah. the old lady. I'm sure that's her voice. It right? sounds like Screaming. the cat lady. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. She's credited as like the just the old woman, basically. Yeah, she she falls down on the floor after uh, <laughs> when uh, Freakazoid mentions something very 90s, which is a pager going off. Yeah, back when we had pagers. Sorry, ma'am, it's my pager. I have it set on vibrate my bottom. Um, uh, so anyway. Um, and I just, I really like the constant cutaways of just, whoops, whoops. Yeah, yeah, and how Freakazoid just doesn't <laughs> doesn't pay attention to any of this. It's like, to, if, Ar- if Arms Akimpo just didn't happen to be robbing the store that Freakazoid was <laughs> in, he would have never been stopped. Like, it's so funny because like. He gets, yeah, he gets the page from Mike and then he's like, Oh wait, Cosgrove could eat this chocolate mousse. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, immediately d- is distracted again. <laughs> so he never stops Arms Akimbo until Arms Akimbo just happens to come across Freakazoid. Then they can stop him. But uh, mm. but there's totally there's two different plots going on. There's Arms Akimbo creating chaos and Freakazoid looking for a present, uh, and they it just happened to intersect at the end. So yeah. And this is our second Christmas episode following the chip. So yes. this is, if you want to watch Christmas episodes of Pregazoid, get your, you got your options now. Exactly. Get your double feature <laughs> in. 
Um, <laughs> and, and there's just so many cool little uh, little throwaway things like the Loeb wanting to get Troubadour pants and uh, from Freakazoid uh, for a gift and the jam babies that squeeze out jam in the store. It's just <laughs> little tiny touches, little throwaway things in here that are... Um, they're great. Okay, well, before we move on to our next discussion of the cloud, uh, there's a quick little Jingle Bells tune, speaking of cre- Christmas stuff. Uh, Freakazoid, once again, is playing an interlude to uh, fill time. <laughs> and once again, playing the piano really poorly. Uh, not much to say about this other than um, it was it was pretty funny. I think it would be fun to play this just the music portion of this um, at a party when you're like, let's listen yeah, to your a Christmas song. party. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's listen to some music folks. Uh, and then play this piano and everyone would look at you strange and then you could laugh and leave the party. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my idea of a great Christmas. Uh, uh, let's move on to the cloud. And the cloud was written by Paul Rugg, and it was directed by Scott Geralds. And Kelly, why don't you tell us what happens here in the cloud? Other okay. than other than the Spielberg reference, which we saw. Yeah, we already saw. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just letting you know. Okay. The the cloud opens really creepy. There's um, a couple guys on the side of a mountain, and. Uh, one of their companions is up much higher on the mountain attached to the rope and uh, he, he says he thinks he sees somebody and he's like what what are you doing there what what is that and then he falls and they they try to catch him and pull him up by the rope but then one of the guys drops him when he sees him and, and freaks out and the, the rope uh, chafes against the rock and, and breaks and the guy falls <laughs> Stupid dummy head! Why did you drop him? His wife will be furious! He's... his face! He... he looked like... like a clown! Like, did you see his face? He was a scary clown. And, uh, we know scout clowns are scary. They're... they're very <laughs> scary. Um, they'll... they'll turn into spiders and everything. So... A clown is not a spider. <laughs> and, uh... So... Freakazoid gets called, and uh, he has a, a friend who is studying this cloud, and he's on a train with a light bulb salesman, and they start having a conversation, and then he gets off the train, and there's a creepy German-type guy, and uh, he's like, you know, we need to keep going, because, it, you know, it'll be, you know, we don't, it's scary here at, at nighttime, but it's daytime. Well, we can <laughs> for a minute. Okay, we're ready to go, you know. <laughs> and he's like, it's very scary up there. And he's being very dramatic. So they, uh, they're riding the sky buckets up to the top of the mountain. Wow! It's just like at Disneyland. Not anymore, I'm afraid. What? At Disneyland, these sky buckets, they are gone, kaput. And that ride was a shrink down tiny, nicht. Oh, no. Well... At least they still have those little motorboats. No! Not the boats! And Freakazoid starts freaking um, because <laughs> he misses the boats at Disneyland. And uh, apparently they're very important to him. And so he gets to the, the scientific installation and sees his friend. And they start talking about ooey gooey and railroad track and singing the song. Ooey gooey was a worm, a gooey worm was he. He sat upon a railroad track, a train he did not see. Ooey gooey! <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, brings to mind parts of Twilight. I saw a snail slithering across a railroad track. Ooey gooey was his name. <laughs> A bug I ate with little wings! The fate of mankind hangs in the balance. <laughs> it's awful! Terrible! Don't worry, my friend. We will figure out something. 
No, not that. I was just thinking about that boat ride at Disneyland. Yes, I know. It's gone. Why? 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 There, there, I understand your pain, but you'll see. The Imagineers at Disney will come up with something even better, yeah? <laughs> they see the cloud again, and they see the, the light bulb salesman. He's come up to the top of the mountain to try to figure out what's going on, and... Professor Heine, there is someone climbing the mountain. That's Spanger from the train. What is he doing? Didn't he read the warnings? Professor, the cloud, it's, it's moving. Widen the angle. It's headed right for him. Professor, I've just heard the boat ride at Disneyland is gone. Why? Why? He starts screaming and you can see that he's turned into a zombie clown. Not just a clown, but a zombie clown. Which is terror, terrorizing. And uh, terrifying, I should say. <laughs> and then there's a knock at the door. And Freakazoid hesitantly opens the door and it's Cosgrove. He just shows up uh, in the middle of nowhere and on top of a mountain. And uh, basically... He wants, he wants to build a go-kart with him. <laughs> so. Hey, Freakazoid, you want to go build a go-kart? And he said... <laughs> He says, uh, oh, by the way, there's some, like, big cloud, like, turning people into zombie clowns. A cloud turning people into zombie clowns. And you might want to do something about that. <laughs> and so, going, yeah, I'm working on it. So then he decides to go out there and, you know, confront it head on. And he realizes it's the lobe. And he is driving this little machine, or little car with, a like, a ray gun. And he he's shooting at people. And... Freakers always tells him it's a dumb idea. What were you thinking? And the Logue gets really apologetic. He's so sorry. So very, very sorry. He just sort of wanders off. Everyone loves a clown. There's a knock on the door. It's a clown. You let it in. The next thing you know, they've taken over for me. Well, if you don't mind me saying so, that is the stupidest plan I've ever heard of. No, it's not. It's a good plan. Baloney! People don't like clowns. What were you thinking? That's just dumb. Nuh-uh. Uh-huh. <laughs> dumb, dumb, dumb. And you're doing it out here in the middle of nowhere. There aren't even that many people around. What were you thinking? Explain it to me. I... I'm not sure. I... I... Come on, get out of there. I expected a lot more from you than this, clown zombies, please. You're right. I'm sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me. I think I'm overtired. It's the best I could do. <laughs> Turn off the cloud. And the Freakazoid's like, that was actually a really good idea. And uh, then everything's fine. And so Cosgrove comes and picks him up the car and... He's like, I know what I'm going to get you for your birthday. Because there was something earlier in the episode that he says, oh, Cosgrove would love this. And I don't remember what it was. It was the mountain air. Fresh mountain oh, air. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. chipper. Because <laughs> yeah, uh, notice that Cosgrove was so friendly when he opened the door. So, uh, so they go driving off into the sunset, basically. <laughs> the end. Um <laughs> Oh my goodness! Uh, and then, and then we get to the credits, of course. And there was—I'm just looking at the credits real quick. It looks like Emmett Nervend was uh, Santa's helper, and then, of course, at the very end, uh, Freakazoid asks if people want some pot roast and cola. Who wants some pot roast and cola? Which I um, just the way that Paul Rugg says that line <laughs> is very funny to me. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, references in here that I, up until today, was not really aware of at all until Nathan brought it to. M- our attention. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the most obvious one first, which of course is the the Disneyland sky buckets and the uh, the which is the the Skyway, which used to be so amazing in Disneyland. Uh, it used to go from Fantasyland to Tomorrowland, and it used to go right through the Matterhorn Mountain, which was just so cool. Uh, somewhere we have still some videotape of us as little kids going through it. None of that is as cool as the teacups, but continue. Yeah, well, <laughs> well you could see the teacups, though, from You the- could. You went right over the teacups. <laughs> yeah, but I don't ride skybuckets. Oh, well, they were. I liked them a lot. And, of course, now they have similar kind of things in Disney World, I know. so Which I won't uh, ride. Yeah, okay, well, 
<laughs> uh, they and they mentioned the the adventure. He kind of re- referenced the adventures through interspace, which was a ride I did go on when I was like four or five, and I barely remember anything other than it looked like it, it's where Star Tours is right now in Disneyland. And they had a little thing where a giant microscope was on display, and it looked like people were going in one end, and then it, they showed little models of people. Uh, on a little track and I thought it was real people so I really did I bought into the illusion completely as a little kid oh my god we're going to be shrunken down and I don't remember if I was necessarily scared or if I just thought that's really cool but either way I bought into it Um, and then there was the motorboat cruise which I did ride that once apparently it was in Disneyland from 1957 to 1993 and I only remember writing it I'm assuming which might have been the last year it was open uh, maybe which was right before Mickey's Toontown opened they had this little Disney afternoon summer which at least I thought they reopened the motorboats and it was all gummy bears themed so you were kind of going through gummy Glen. it was very cheaply put together I remember because it was just um like wooden cutouts of the gummy bears, just well, was it caring, courageous, or caring? <laughs> uh, I don't, not not especially. No, you did not get to jump out of the boat. You did not get gummy berry juice. Um, yeah, it was it was it was okay. It was just I'm glad I was able to do it once at least before the they closed it down. So poor Freakazoid. That was perhaps my favorite running gag was the crying at how sad. <laughs> It was that the boats are no longer in Disneyland. Um, let's see. What else do we have reference-wise here? Uh, we have a really cool uh, an actor who was voicing the uh, the light bulb salesman, and that was Clive Revel. And Kelly, yeah. tell, tell us who Clive Revel is. Uh, he's the voice of the Emperor in The Empire Strikes Back when, in the hologram. The original Empire, the 1980 version. I mean, yeah, the important one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ian McDermott now is the voice of it, but you know, he, you know, we all, Clive Revel, he's 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 still in our hearts and minds as the he, Emperor. He actually, Ian McDermott actually does a really good job. He, he kind of keeps the same tone and cadence. Yeah, it sounds like a different voice. I I <laughs> remember seeing an interview with Ian McDermott. Uh, while back and i remember he said when he got the part in in uh return of the jedi that i think he did say he met with clive revel to kind of go over the cadence and the voice and stuff like that a little bit so it was a similar yeah it's not too jarring that's the thing with the special editions because i had the movies memorized so even now uh because i memorized the originals first if i'm watching the special editions it still seems new to me sometimes because it's like, oh, that's not the way I've memorized the whole film. It, it always seems yeah. like different. And I know some people love them and, you know, they've gotten used to it. But for me, I, I still sometimes get kind of taken out of the action because it's like, oh, that's not the way I remember it. Uh, I, I'm i just tired of, of uh, people, you know, with inconsistencies talking about Star Wars these days. Oh, that's inconsistent with this and this. And I'm thinking back to when we were kids and you'd see the emperor in the empire strikes back versus the emperor in return of the Jedi look completely different. Like the makeup was completely different and we didn't care. And in fact, I remember with with me and my brothers, we kind of like, kind of like, well, how could that work? You know, we always kind of, instead of saying getting mad about it and saying that's stupid, we kind of said, well, obviously, you know, the dark side changed him and, and yeah, on the hologram, which is bad reception. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that was the fun thing. I think we were so much more forgiving of little things like that back uh, when we were kids. Well, I just figured they couldn't get the special effects good enough to really represent what the guy looked like, you know? Yeah. I mean, that made but, sense to me. But it was it's always been fun to me to kind of explain how things could work with what you have versus talking about how they're it's bad. You know, it didn't work and that was stupid. Versus, okay, that's what we got, and so let's make it work in our brains so that, you know, it makes sense. Um, in, in both. Spoiled. I know. Kids today. You kids today are so spoiled. Uh, a couple other references real quick. Uh, they, they show a Red Skelton uh, clown painting. Uh, Red Skelton was a, was a he was on uh, 
radio and TV, and he did a lot of clown paintings. And uh, I just, yeah, I just remember seeing him on TV every now and then. I think he was on some Bob Hope specials, perhaps. Uh, but the biggest reference is to the Trollenberg Terror from 1958, known as The Crawling Eye, when it was released here in the United States, which was the first movie made fun of by Mystery Science Theater, which I've never seen because I don't like the first season of Mystery Science Theater. I find it very... <laughs> I, I don't like the voice of Tom, Sor- Tom Servo. Um, TV's Frank isn't in it. Um, so I'm just kind of like, eh, I'll skip the first season and go right to the second and beyond. But Nathan, you found the... Uh, it's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And the whole because not, I think it's not the a, Mystery Science Theater right. 2000 version, but the public I think it's in the public domain. That's why I'm sure yeah. Mystery Science Theater did it to begin with. But the beginning of this movie with the I think even the music might be the same. It's very similar. Uh, it's yeah, it's it, very similar. But yeah. the opening with this mountain, which in the cartoon is even pretty ominous, with no music whatsoever. You just hear the the sound of the the wind and everything. Mm-hmm. And the break in the, the whole thing of a guy going up and saying hello, hello, and screaming and then falling and in and, and then his rope breaking as they yeah, try to the pull rope him up breaking the as they're trying guy, to pull. Yeah. yeah, and the one guy turns away and in the original version, it turns out the guy didn't have a head or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And of course in this version he's he's turned into a clown. But uh and then of course it goes to the credit sequence, which with the arrows and it, it looks exactly the the same like it's it's very much in the same vein of, of uh, that movie which was just yeah, even cool the, to and see. Then going into the train the shot from the going yeah. the train going over the camera and everything like yeah there's a there's a train scene immediately following it which there's a, a girl uh who's asleep and they, she starts talking about how she was she talking in her sleep and freakazoid yeah. is asleep talking in his sleep talking mm-hmm. about talking about a dog needs to be leashed um <laughs> a dog and uh a leg on a tree uh, on a tree the dog is leash it leash it so and then they go into us the the whole gondola the sky the sky bucket yeah thing, they do the sky bucket in the movie up, up to a up to an observatory which looks mm-hmm. very similar to the one the, that's uh, shown and the scientist sounds very much like this scientist yeah so. professor heine which i gotta <laughs> love the paul rug again the, the 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 paul rug writing is fantastic in in this there are so many similarities these themes you know you can tell like when hitchcock did something I think there's a lot of uh, themes that Paul Rugg does, such, oh, I don't know, ooey gooey, we mentioned. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, this, and it's very like a kind of a cookies for Einstein kind of feel to it. The music is, I think, the same. Uh, the little dun 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 dun. Support the Scouts, get out your wallet, Sorry, it's the chocolate talking. And there's this line where I think the the climbers call he calls one of the stupid dummy head or something like that, <laughs> which is what Einstein would call himself in, in in that. Stupid dummy head? Why did you drop him? His wife will be furious. Stupid Einstein dummy boy. Um, so I don't know, little, little beats that, you know, it works and, uh, it's in the Paul Rugg bag of writing, I suppose. Um, good stuff. Uh, oh yeah. And I think we should mention when we were first watching this, this episode, I had no idea what that guy that Freakazoid meets on the train was doing on the hill. He says he was going to investigate this, uh, you know, what was going on on the mountain. And it looks like he's holding up two ice cream cones or something like that mm-hmm. uh, as they're looking at him through the monitor. But it, I believe what it is, is he's holding up light bulbs. Yeah, I thought I said that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. hear you. I'm sorry. The light bulb salesman. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. So, Well, see, I always forget what I was like. Is he holding up like traffic cones or something? Like, <laughs> They're very big light bulbs. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> very, it's a little confusing. Um, one can only hope that 
uh, as soon as the lobe was uh, his ray was put away or whatever that everyone turned back to normal because otherwise probably not the guy that fell off the mountain yeah that that guy his wife will be furious (laughs) 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 Um, I don't know just a lot of good stuff in this one any any other moments in this uh, that you guys thought were funny Uh, anything like that Uh, Nathan let's start with you Um, the knocking on the door is a reference to the fog probably the movie 1980 is yeah, that's a Stephen King, I think. Yeah, there's a banging on the door, and he's like, I'll go check this out. <laughs> Even like, though it's like, why would you open the door when there's a dangerous <laughs> Like, you fog? know the fog is killing people. And, poor, and like, Cosgrove's just walk around in it. Like, do 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 <laughs> So um, happy. But, um, I just, I absolutely love the Freakazoid telling Loeb how stupid his idea is. Like, there's not even people up here. <laughs> no one <laughs> likes clouds. Like, and he's like, and then... Uh, how it is like oh that was such a good idea <laughs> yes. oh man did he have a good idea oh <laughs> yeah a really good ending to this even with uh, the lobe breaking the fourth wall and looking right at the audience yeah, saying i'm sorry fears crying it's just i can't help but laugh at it every time i just <laughs> uh yeah well kelly what about you anything else um no, nothing Nothing additional comes to mind. All right. Well, in that case, let's go ahead and get to our water tower rating. Well, out of five water towers, how many water towers would you give this episode? And for the record, Nathan has written down what our original ratings were, so he's going to check for consistency. <laughs> Mm-hmm. to see if we give it the same or if we've gone up or down. It'll be good. It'll be interesting. Uh, Nathan, let's start with you. Should I go? Because I already know what I got. Well, you, you I can just... last time. Oh, you, we start again. Go ahead. Okay. So this is going to skew all the results again because I give this five water towers because, man, oh, man, we got the cloud and I, it's mostly all going to the cloud. But Arms of Kimbo is also there's a bunch of uh, oops jokes. It reminds me of... Dark Knight when the Joker's blowing up hospital. <laughs> we got some real uh, great things. There's even a Steven Spielberg reference, as Kelly mentioned. And yeah, just th- that whole. And then now, having seen the movie The Crawling Eye, I appreciate it even more. So yeah, five water towers. Or at least the, the beginning uh, five well, minutes or so of and- The Crawling Eye. Uh, yeah. you, you know when there's hikers on the mountain that's also a reference and then uh there's some knocking on the door where they go and answer even though they shouldn't <laughs> we should also mention uh, we should also mention the the some of the names of uh the the of uh, the cloud of the people that mm. don't actually appear uh there's so many silly names i'll, I'll kind of just skip them because they're they're just silly names, but Weena Makater as the hopping woman uh, makes an appearance once again in the credits, which we should always mention her. Uh, Kelly, what about you? How many water towers would you give it? I'll give it four, um, which I think is consistent with what I gave it last time, although I didn't like it quite as much because I've, now I've seen it before. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I thought both segments were, were pretty strong and and I, I like the cloud the best, but because uh, I, I really like the cre- creepy atmosphere of it. But Akimbo was fun, and that bit with the huntsman was really funny, and uh, just just a lot of good moments. So this is the strongest episode of Freakazoid for you so far, right? I think so. Yeah, because I we were, I remember first going over this, we were like Nathan and I, were like whoa, because Kelly is pretty brutal with her water tower ratings on Freakazoid, but this one actually made you laugh, right? I, I didn't grow up with it the way y'all did. So. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and give it, I think I might have given it three and a half last time, but I'm going to give it four this time. Because uh, it's just, for all the reasons you guys were saying, it's a really great episode. Good stuff. Uh, it's not one of my absolute favorites, but I really do like uh, the second half a lot. I really do like The Cloud. So Nathan, how did how do we match up? Uh, you have lowered your score from a four oh. and a half to a four, Joey. You oh don't like gosh. it as much this time. You Apparently. almost went down to a three and a half. So look at that. And yeah, Kelly has liked one episode as much as this one, uh, which is the chip part one and part two, which really wasn't an episode. It was two episodes. So maybe it's <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. So it's, it's on. It's on. Uh, it's 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 time. It's, 
as good as two episodes of Freakazoid. There we go. (laughs) Well, let's go ahead and get right now to some contact information. Nathan, where can people reach you online? Oh, Twitter, I suppose. Uh, Django FT, that's me. All right. And Kelly, what about you? I'm also on Twitter, Yoda Princess, Y-O-D-A-P-R-N-C-S-S, or email me at Kelly, Kelly, email me at Kelly at BigShinyRobot.com. You got it. Okay, and as for the Animaniacast, we're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. I set up a TikTok account. Why did I do that? I don't know. It'd probably be banned by the time this episode comes out, but just in case it's still around, um it i guess um and of course we're on every single podcast player that you can possibly imagine and if you find a podcast player out there that you can't listen to us on you let us know email us at animaniacast at retrozap.com and speaking of retrozap you should head on over there because we're a proud member of the retrozap network and you can you can subscribe to the retrozap podcast feed and get every podcast that retrozap puts out as well as head on over to Zap to see great articles every single day. There's great content out there. And uh, we're a proud member of the RetroZap podcast community. If you want to talk to us over uh, at uh, our Discord server, you can get a welcome link by going to discord.animanicast.com. Talk to us and other RetroZap podcasters and writers and creators and just a bunch of great friendly fans over there it's a great place to escape the insanity that is today's world 2020 oh my goodness well that'll do it for today's episode so for nathan and kelly this is joey saying good night everybody good night everybody good night everybody This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures, Freakazoid, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast unless otherwise indicated.